You're listening to Healthy Voices Radio, a podcast by health advocates for health advocates. Join us for real conversations on the ways health impacts our lives, featuring guests from the Healthy Voices community and beyond. Co-hosted by Robert Brining, Brady Dale Etzcorn Morris, and Don M. Gibson. This is Healthy Voices Radio. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Janssen and Johnson & Johnson Medical Devices, the founders of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. Before we get start- started, um, a few disclaimers here. If you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide any medical advice. Per regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during the show today. All information shared or later posted about this podcast will be done in a public capacity. For that reason, we will not be sharing any personal or confidential information we don't want others to know. And for the same reason, we will not share any personal information about another person during today's episode. And last but not least, Jansen has paid Robert, Don, and I to host and produce this podcast. All thoughts expressed here are our own. Hello, everyone. I am Brady Dell Etzcorn Morris, and along with my co-hosts Don Gibson and Robert Brining, would like to welcome you back to Healthy Voices Radio. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Jansen, the founder of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. For more information on Healthy Voices, please visit healthyvoices.com. Also, be sure to follow at Healthy Voices. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-E-B-O-I-C-E-S on Twitter and Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as Twitter chats, webinars, and much, much more. And while we're at it, don't forget to subscribe to Healthy Voices Radio on your favorite podcatcher so you're the first to know when a new episode is released. I have a few disclaimers before we bring on my co-hosts. If you need any medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide any medical advice. Per regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during today's episode. All information shared or later posted about this podcast will be done so in a public capacity. For that reason, we will not be sharing any personal or confidential information we don't want others to know. And for the same reason, we will not share any personal information about another person during today's episode. And last but not least, Jansen has paid Robert, Don, and myself to host and produce this podcast. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And with that said, let's welcome my amazing co-host, Robert and Don. Hey, guys. Hey, what's happening? Hey, guys. How are (sighs) y'all? It is cold outside. (laughs) It is. It cold is, it is but seeing your faces warm me up. So I'm happy to connect uh, and, and hear your voices. It's, it's amazing. I feel Love the it. same. Well, I am so excited. I cannot believe, guys, that we are ra- rounding out another season of Healthy Voices Radio. Um, and today we are doing kind of just a recap and looking back on our, our past season. Um, Dawn, I think you are going to start us off with our first episode. Yeah. Wait, 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 Dawn, I want to cut you off. Before you do that, I just want to say, you know, this is your first season with us, Dawn, and it's been a pleasure having you join us in the chair and and on screen and to have you you. lift it with ours. And it's just, it's been amazing. So I just want to say thank you for for taking this up and and doing this with us this season. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I was um, 
nervous, not about the two of you, of course, but just nervous about doing this, but you have made it a pleasure and working with the team has been great as well. So here it is, here's the introduction. So our first pandemic year has been a wild ride and it's not over yet. And it seems like most of us are kind of united in unease and concern that comes from having everything in our lives touched by the pandemic and the civil unrest that we've experienced and the overall pervasive sense of uncertainty and disorientation saturating this kind of in-between time that we're living with as we wait <laughs> for whatever the new normal is gonna be. But I think the best news from our community is that Healthy Voices people continue to make ways to tell our stories and assist patients and families, all while doing our best to take care of each other and ourselves. And I found that really inspiring this year. We even found time to speak up with and for vulnerable populations in the midst of turbulent scrambles for resources, care, and representation. And we continue to insist that we are here, we matter, and we're not giving up. So I think this is our best year yet. I agree. And it's only getting better. <laughs> um, when I came to Healthy Voices 17, that was my first year. That was uh, also my first time being surrounded by people just like me, people just like us. And over the years, I've come to see Healthy Voices people as central to my advocacy and an important part of my life. Uh, Robert and Brady, you guys were some of the first to welcome me as a newbie back in 2017. So I think it's natural that we're doing the podcast together. Uh, Brady, I was wondering what, in, in your opinion, is the Healthy Voices experience? That's a great question. Um, the Healthy Voices experience is an opportunity. I mean, we're all experts kind of in our own conditions. Yeah. But coming together with Healthy Voices, it let me see these similarities that that with me living with HIV, how someone um, who's living with diabetes or someone living with um, COPD, how, ma how many similarities we actually carry um, between conditions and Healthy Voices really opened my eyes to that. Robert? The Healthy Voices experience to me is life-changing. Um, you go there thinking that you're going to, you know, learn, maybe not learn anything from anyone. And like, like Brady said, you find all these similarities and you learn from each other's projects when you're sharing and you get ideas and you form these bonds. And, and from Healthy Voices, I have multiple tribes that have kind of like multiplied like uh, gremlins, you know, <laughs> big Healthy Voices tribe. And then I got the, the, you know, Purposeful Connections tribe with everybody. And then I have you know, our little tribe here for Healthy Voices Radio and then the Positively Fearless tribe. So it's, it's, it allows you to really break out and get um, that support system that you are looking for. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. There's nothing like being in our own space and that is a space that we create together both in uh, our, our annual meetings and then in our other events and just with our friendships. This year, part of our coming together has been discussing difficult topics, uh, particularly health disparities. And I know that it can be hard to tell what is a health disparity, like what are we talking about and that kind of thing. Um, it, it can be like a big gluey knot. I know for myself as a spondyloarthritis patient, as a black woman spondyloarthritis patient, there's nothing for me. There's nothing designed for me. Like, 
there's not even, as far as I can find, a single study that is centering Black women or Black patients. So I'm just, I'm just using treatments that are designed and they work or they don't. And a lot of people don't even believe that Black women can get this disease. So that like I am a walking, talking health disparity in, in that way. Um, and I wonder um, what you all think about uh, health disparities. Like, what have you learned this year? Well, I've learned, uh, first of all, Don, that's why your work is so important, um, that you are sharing your story and doing what you do and sitting at this table with us. Um, because you need, you know, people need to know that this, this can happen to you. This can be you. It's not, you know, I'm not a unicorn. You know what I mean? And, and part of going to Healthy Voices and, and that Healthy Voices experience is discovering that you're not a unicorn. You know, yeah. what I mean? like it's, it's, it's strange, but it's true. But with health disparities, I, I learned a lot about how privileged I was in regards to um, getting connected with care and things of that nature. So um, I, I learned a lot of how it affects, um, you know, my black and brown friends and, and, and people of different communities. and. Um, you know, it really opened my eyes this this whole past year of, of disparities of, of race alone and, and, and everything. So it's been life changing. Yeah, I agree, Robert. Um, yeah, this past year um, really emphasized to me being a white cisgender male, um, you know, how, how difficult it is even for me to maneuver through the system that was made for people that look like me. Mm-hmm. And it's made me even more aware that how difficult it is for people um, of color, um, of different genders and, and whatnot, how to access the system. And um, I hope that we've helped to, to kind of highlight and, and have discussions about why that needs to stop and, and how each of us have a role to play to, to ending these health disparities. Definitely. I'm wondering um, what are some things that we could do um, you know, from wherever we're coming from that can help us be a little less defensive when we're confronted with information or perspectives that we don't want to hear? You always have to have an open mind. I know that for me, um, in the beginning of my advocacy work, when I would see someone make like a blatantly, a blatant comment that um, about HIV or AIDS that was completely untrue or, or a misconception, now, I would want to be a keyboard warrior and just start and I'd be angry, but um, I have to, I've learned to take a step back and realize that, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And, and, on, and at times, um, you know, they just may have been misinformed and did not know. And so I've had to purposely like under or try to engage in every conversation, just trying to meet people where they were and offer yeah. them correct information and 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 hopefully that they will will walk away from that conversation um and dispelling the 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 myths that they had carried with them and taking with them the truth that i've provided yeah, what about you robert i was gonna say sometimes it's it's hard for for me because i like to be that keyboard warrior especially um you know over the last year with the the racial reckoning and 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 the craziness that was going on um i think I like to jump on and be like, no, 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 you're wrong. This is, this is, you need to look at, and then sometimes it's like, well, people aren't going to learn because of your approach, you know? So sometimes I had to step back and be like, depending on who I was talking to, my approach needed to change. But sometimes I felt 
that some people should just know better. And I needed to really be like, want to choke them and be like, I don't understand how you don't know. I'm telling you right now, this is how it was. This is how it is. And this is why it's happening. You know what I mean? But you still don't want to learn. You know what I mean? So some people just don't want to learn either. And you have to accept that, that they're willing to see the world in, in, the, in the eyes that they see and, and not, not want to look through anyone else's lens. And Robert, yeah. I'm glad you said that because it also reminds, it makes me think too that at, at a certain point, we have to realize when that information isn't making it through to, to who we're talking to and for our own mental health and our own well-being, learning when it's time to walk away and, and realizing that, that all we're doing is, is harming ourselves rather than helping another. Brady, I think that's an important insight. <laughs> Excuse me. And it, for my uh, well-being this year, I had to limit my uh, exposure to images of police shootings or violence, uh, really of any kind. And I also had to come into a place where I just was not going to freely um, engage in these discussions with people just because they wanted access to a black person for their nonsense. You know, I mean, if you're doing nonsense, you're going to do it with someone else or you're going to do it alone. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's, I've extended that to other areas. Cause as you know, I'm, um, a passionate, um, ally with HIV work. And I know that sometimes I really want to come in there like the 101st airborne. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> and, and like start talking about when I was a missionary in East Africa and just like going like deep with them and they're not ready. <laughs> or they're not worthy of hearing about that. They're not worthy of my, my time and attention. And I just have to go to the next person and, you know, and realize it's not my job. It's not the job of anyone advocate to try and reverse a tide of history <laughs> all alone <laughs> right like that'd be a collective effort right right so this year we began the season talking with guy anthony uh friend of the show and all three of us and it was it was exciting to start the season with him partially just because he's uh so well known and and easy to work with and all of that and i was nervous about, about starting on a podcast <laughs> um but yeah um what i found the most wonderful in in our talk with guy was the way that he was so generous with his honesty you know, he just opened himself and, and was vulnerable with us. And he explained to us um, without any real uh, buffers what it was like for him to experience having COVID as an HIV positive gay black man who also has bipolar disorder. And any one of those factors is enough to really disrupt somebody's care, uh, even if everything else in society is going great. But uh, taken together, Guy was up against some serious odds, particularly with his bipolar disorder, which uh, is going to interfere with his ability to participate and guide his own care. But um, I was particularly drawn to the whole thing about the isolation 
and, and how that was so painful for him and, and disrupted his routines that he needs to ma maintain his mental and physical health. And I think some people might see themselves in the description, in his description of the conflict between his online advocacy persona and the flesh and blood human being living through these health issues that change on a day-to-day -day or even minute-to-minute -minute basis. Let's listen to what Guy had to say. Sometimes I think just to ask me what's wrong, I think that that has done wonders for me lately. Because most, you, you know, when you have this like persona online, people think, you know, it's happy go lucky. People just say, oh, he's good. Oh, he's in Mexico. He's here. He's living the life. And those sometimes are like the most depressed people in the world. <laughs> and if I'm honest, a lot of my depression right now is because I'm not traveling. I'm happiest when I'm away. And I've not been able to, like, Robert knows, like, last year I went to, like, four countries. Like, I'm out. And so the fact that I had to, like, sit in this little apartment in Brooklyn, <laughs> I'm like, get me out of here. Um, but just a text message, just a check, you know? And, and that's all anyone would ever want because there's really not much you can do for me, you know? Yeah. Um, you guys are struggling. I mean, not struggling in that sense, but you guys are struggling with your own song. And and a lot of times we don't want to be burdened, though. Or just a quick text message like, hey, thinking of you. You know, God bless Guy Anthony for being yes. so vulnerable and being so honest and raw with us during our conversation. Yes, I totally am in love with Guy. Guy is, uh, you know, part of the Positively Fearless campaign with me. And, you know, hearing uh, his firsthand account with COVID and his isolation and dealing with it, especially during everything else that was going on in the world, you know, it was it was a heavy um, load to carry, you know, to sit with alone. So for him to be so vulnerable and come on and really open up, um, you know, it just speaks volumes to the person that he is. Well, yeah. And also, you know, was really struck too, like during this this time, like of, of grief, um, you know. I was focused more on people and my family and friends that I was losing to this disease. But Guy made me think too, you know, I'm also missing, you know, congregating, getting together, seeing my friends, um, getting to travel, getting to go places. Um, there was a lot more grief going on in my life than I even acknowledged. And it was, and it was having an impact on my own mental health and, and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, it is hard to really take all that in at one time. And I, I think for the three of us who have been through um, a fair number of traumatic events and um, sometimes struggle with mental health, it it can be hard <coughs> to know how much to let ourselves feel at one time. And then we also sometimes have to rely on this just urge to keep going, you know, because our our needs aren't going to stop so we we have to work to meet our needs we have to keep up our routines to meet our needs and we want to serve our communities but at the same time these losses are real this pain is real and eventually the bill on all of this grief deficit is going to come due we're going to have to acknowledge what we've lost and i know some people they might feel a little bit um strange talking about losing places and spaces when people are dying uh, and that's understandable but at the same time we can acknowledge our losses 
and what it means to be isolated while supporting public health measures. We're not saying, oh, hey, you know, I just want to go see my friends right now and that's what I'm going to do. We're just saying this, this hurts and these are things we need because we are people and, and people are social. Well, and another point too that I think Guy really drove home for me too is the fact that, that trauma is, is accumulative. Like it's, it doesn't yeah. just have to be one event. Um, how it's actually, there's layers to, to our trauma and, and even to heal, there's not just one quick answer um, how it takes you know, many different avenues and many different um, roads to, to, you know, to, to work through that. And it's funny, it's yeah. funny but speaking of, um, you know, the isolation that he speaks of and how we've been set back in, you know, throughout the year, not having those spaces, like you were saying, Dawn, like healthy voices, you know what I mean? And the other conferences that, you know, we may go to or events throughout the year that kind of take us away from our everyday life and allow us to recharge as, as an advocate or, you know what I mean? And yeah. losing those spaces, it really has taken a toll on me over the past like year and a half. Like I feel it, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel stuck, you know what I mean? And I feel like I need to like reinvent myself in some way. If that makes kind of sense from being so stuck yeah. with myself, I'm like kind of like in my head so much and us being our own worst critic, um, I really miss those spaces a lot like healthy boys. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to really put the words to it. But the, <laughs> the traumatic nature of the pandemic year and all the imagery that came from um, the racial reckoning and uh, everything else that has occurred since then. And I think even like, I have in my mind a trepidation of like, oh, God, what's going to happen once it warms up, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't I do not want to know. <laughs> well, like you know, one of the things too that you know, like God was talking about, in the, and I didn't see it here in Nashville, but I mean, to deal with driving by or walking by morgue truck or uh, refrigerated trucks and and things like that, just how how much it does makes you stop in your tracks to to realize, you know this is, it's real, it's serious, um, and, and it needs to be acknowledged and talked about. 100%. I'm hoping that the, the openness that we've had this year, um, this past year about um, mental health and uh, the need to address trauma is going to make a difference for some people. Uh, and, and maybe it'll change change some minds, open some hearts about um, both getting help and maybe even finding a way to pay for some more help because this this is just so much. And I, and I try not to, to live too far in the future because that can get kind of anxious. <laughs> but um, it's, it's true that we are up against a, a, a serious adversary in, in terms of trauma, even going into this situation, but coming out of it, we're looking at healthcare workers, patients, uh, other workers uh, being traumatized. I know that, you know, my aunt, she works at a big box store and a lot of these people just do not care about other people. So these customers come in and they act any kind of way and she can't help but wonder, is this the customer, right? Is this a customer who harms me? Is this a customer who gets me sick? And are her coworkers, many of her coworkers have been sickened. So 
it's, it's just a lot. Um, but I know uh, we have other episodes to well, get One of the other things I wanted to really just touch on also is how he, he spoke, Guy spoke on the online persona and kind of how we have, you know, this people see us like in through that lens of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and they don't really see what's behind, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, it, it's, it's crazy because people really do, you know, see what they want to see or see what we put out there. So for him to be so vulnerable and peel back those, those layers, you know, like an onion almost and, and to share his story was, was really amazing. But the, the, the other episodes that uh, we wanted to move on to was episode two, where we actually spoke with Molly Schreiber and Alexis Newman. Um, they spoke on shared experiences and disparities in health advocacy. Um, this was a really touching episode. Um, some of the important notes um, that I took, I took away from it, I've taken away from it, um, were the importance of just sharing your story on and and lending your voice. So let's play a little bit from the episode, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of come back and talk about it. Your condition, our conditions are fluid. Like some days you have good days, some days have bad days. And I think it's really trying to have a mindset of like I'm doing the best I can with what I got at this very moment and really trying to strive towards that mindset. Of course, some days we are hard and it's really hard to even have that mindset, but really trying to be present in the moment, mindful and self-care in that way. I'm just trying to have more good days than the bad days, more days where my disease doesn't dictate what I can or can't So, you know, every day that I work full time and can hit the gym and, you know, maybe make dinner, not too wild or anything. Um, I um, call that a win. So, you know, I love that they both touch on good days, having good days. And, you know, they define it in, in, in different ways, you know, but I think it's important that they, they um, discuss, you know, how they're affected by the small accomplishments. So one of the things I want to talk about is, is how do we view, um, you know, our small accomplishments. We're never really, I guess, fully satisfied. I said it before, we're our own worst critic. Um, we right. never seemed like we've done enough uh, or I'm doing enough to help this or to help that cause. So what are some things, um, Brady, that maybe small accomplishments that you seem to overlook and, and, you know, you're kind of reflecting back going, you know what, that, that makes it feel like it's a good day now. Well, one thing that I really appreciated, um, especially in what and one of Molly's and co Molly's comment is the fact that you know we're going to have bad days, and they have to be acknowledged. We have to to accept that bad days are going to occur, no matter what we try to do to set ourselves up for success. But I loved her attitude. It's just it's not so much about avoiding or eliminating bad days. It's just having more good days than bad. Um, that to me really that really stuck with me after after we left that conversation and then defining a good day you know what i mean like how do you how do you define a good day for me you know if i wake up it's a good day um that's 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 the way i live my life if i, if I woke up you know that is a good day um but you know just I, I guess you know some days to me a good day is is taking a shower and getting dressed but then the other days that are good days are days that you know, I'm in my PJs and my robe all day. Um, you know, as long as I um, you know, wake up in the morning and get to crawl into my bed and, and fall asleep at night, 
to me, I consider that a good day. What about you, Don? Yeah, that's always a good question. Um, for me, I feel like a good day is is when I have some choices about how I'm spending my time. Some days, the, the very bad days, I don't I don't really get a lot done, and so I feel. It, it's just stressful. Like if I have laundry that I have to get done and it's not done, then I know that that's going to go into the next day. Or if I have copy that I need to mark up and I didn't copy, like I didn't get it, the copy marked up, that's, you know, that bothers me. But at the same time, if I can get my coherent thoughts down on the page and if I can represent myself the way that I want, those are good days. And as much as the, the patients, the patient advocates that we work with, um, we're kind of at an elite level. And I don't mean that to say I'm looking down on other patients, but we have years of experience up under us. And we are, um, we have access to all kinds of things that a lot of others might not have. And just all this experience, you know, we're, we're at a different level than somebody who's just starting out, uh, but we're still patients. And so there's no way to tap out of being a patient. So if I can remember that, if I can stick to as much of my self-care routine as possible and get some stuff done and get that momentum, then I'm happy. I agree, Dot. And I want to reiterate like to what Alexis says, like, you know, if, as long as I'm doing the best I can with what I have at this very moment, I mean, that to me was also a very powerful statement. Yes. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, it would, it may not be the same, you know, standard for somebody else, but just knowing if you are doing the very best you can, um, then you're, you're doing okay. Yeah. hundred percent. I think seeing where you are at the moment and appreciating it, seeing your self-worth, seeing, you know, just yourself and, and being, I guess, um, how, how do I want to say it? Being uh, content and happy with just where you are. It takes a lot to do that, especially in such a stressful world where you're being pulled each way with, you know, traffic and news and this and that and snow and ice and, you know, all the crazy things going on in the world, you know, just to take a moment and breathe and be like, okay, I'm, I'm happy where I am. I'm breathing. You know, it's a good day. That's how I see a good day. As long as I'm breathing, like you said, Brady, it's a good day for me. Absolutely. One of the things that they really focused on was kind of self-love and self-care. So um, Dawn, why don't you share some of your uh, self-care practices that you've done through the quarantine? Uh, one thing I have tried very hard to do with varying degrees of success is to um, keep my bedroom cleaner. <laughs> I'm very bad at keeping my bedroom clean, partially just because we're still kind of in transition in this house. You know, we had all my uncle's stuff here when um, when we brought him up here to live with us and and uh, elder care requires a lot of documents and all this stuff. So it, we're kind of re still recovering from that, that whole situation. But I feel like if you can keep something nice about your bedroom. That's really good because your bedroom should be some type of sanctuary if possible. And Don, I think I'm so glad you said that because something that I haven't really paid much attention to, but I had started doing during the um, COVID was, you know, I, I make my, I make my bed every morning now yeah. and it really does make a difference at the end of the day, walking into my bedroom and seeing a made bed that I'm getting into. Um, it just, it, it, it makes it easier for me to go to sleep and I just feel better about ending my day that way. Um, but I, something I hadn't even thought about, but I have started doing during this time. 
Well, and think about what you would do for your pets. You make sure they have somewhere suitable to rest, not just something you threw on the ground that they can use, <laughs> right? You're right. You're going to make a nice place for them to rest. You're going to keep it clean and tidy. If there's something wrong with that bed, you will fix whatever is wrong with that bed. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's very, That's very, right. very true. So Brady, what about the last episode of the season? Well, the last episode of the season was we did during our Healthy Voices Live, which was so much fun. And we had the amazing advocates, uh, Gabe Howard and Shanice Colwell with us. Um, before I talk too much about what they said, let's hear what they had to say. One of the first thing that I did is I, I realized that what I do has value. And, and that, that was a, a big watershed moment for me. You know, I, I started off on this with, with, you know, saying things like, oh, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing this to, to save the world, which was, was very true. But you, you can't save the world without resources. When people would reach out to me trying to ride that wave, if a company reaches out to me or a fellow advocate reached out to me trying to ride the wave of whatever collaboration that was, um, sometimes with minimal to no results, but like, you know, I always try to tell myself, never know who's watching just because they're not connecting with you, uh, just because they're not liking or commenting. You never know who's watching. I've had lots of really great people reach out to me and I'm like, wow, they noticed. I was, I was so appreciative of both of these quotes um, that both Gabe and Shanice talked about. Because one thing as a health advocate, especially um, those of us who put ourselves out there on social media and talk about our lives so openly is we oftentimes question what is the value of what we're doing and we we doubt ourselves and and we also can we talk a lot too about imposter syndrome you know we we feel like am I really the best person to be here or or should people actually be listening to me and the fact of the matter is is that you're sharing your story there's always going to be something about your story that will resonate with someone else and will help them um, to make it through that day. I totally agree. You know, the importance of finding, sharing your story and then someone else discovering it, you know, it's Brady doing podcasts with me for a while now, you know, the, the, the impact of having your story told not only helps you as the advocate sharing the story, but then when I read your story, I find bits and pieces that I relate to, you know, that helps me. And I think, you know, it's kind of like double fold. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. One of the things I really liked that he uh, mentioned was that you can't save the world without resources, right? I remember when I first started doing advocacy work, people would come up to me and they'd be like, oh, you're just doing it for the money. You're just doing it to get money. And I'm, like, I'm not even making money. So if you think I'm doing it for the money or to be famous, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. But I have bills. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I do have bills and that roof ain't going to stay over my head and the electricity ain't going to be on if I don't get paid. <laughs> but, and then also to some platforms, you know, that have larger audiences require, you know, funds or money, uh, you know, to subscribe and, and to keep your content available and keep your content relevant. Um, so, so in that aspect, it does get a little difficult for those um, when we do realize that we, we have a platform or, and we have our voice or we find our voice and we're trying to elevate it. And then we find out we don't have the resources 
it can be difficult um, and and make some people early on in their advocacy journey, you know, give up. But um, we just wanted to reiterate, you know, no matter what you're doing, it, even if you're sharing on a, on free platforms, you know, such as Facebook and Twitter or Instagram, you know, you're just sharing your story has value. I think that it's important to to point out that there's different kinds of value. So we're talking about the social value, the social good of representing the truth, you know, that we exist, we matter, uh, we're here, and um, we're perhaps open to collaboration to get some things done. And then when we're talking about the uh, uh, more tangible value of the work that we do, it's important to consider relationships with organizations that can pay money. And, you know, I feel no compunction or problem about taking money. I will take your money. If you want to back a truck of money up to my house, I will take it. And here is why I will take your money. In addition to needing food and shelter, very expensive, gluten-free, corn-free food, I might add, which is just stunningly expensive to get. I enjoy helping people and help is not free. If I'm going to mail people things, if I'm going to take their calls, if I'm going to do any of the things that I want to do and that patients need, I need money. But the other thing is that all kinds of organizations make money off of us. You know, they, they do. And people have people working in those buildings. They have jobs. (laughs) <laughs> and they have pensions and they have health insurance and all kinds of things. So it's, I'm not saying that, that we should always put earning first at every opportunity, but we should be realistic about the fact that our value is both social and it is financial. You know, it does, what, what we create does go into the bank for somebody. Right. And Donna, I'm so glad you said that because a lot of, a lot of health advocates or when we get started, you know, we think we have to get all these followers. Um, but, you know, as a health advocate, you can have just as much impact if you only have two followers as if you have 100,000. Because at the end of the day, those two people that you have following you and following your journey, they are relying on you. So you are helping those two people. Um, and those are two lives that are being changed because of you. That is invaluable and priceless. Um Yep. So, so we have to give ourselves credit where credit is due. 100%. And then also too, I want to talk about too, Shanice um, hit on this. And not everybody on social media comments, even though they read our stories and they, they take, they listen to what we're talking about. Not everybody feels comfortable engaging in that, in that way. And so even though you may not be getting any kind of feedback or responses on social media, from you know from your advocacy work just knowing that it is out there you never know who's going to see it uh, when they're going to see it and, and how it may help them on down the road i think that's a good uh point partially because the culture of social media can be about clicks and retweets and likes and shares and you know all this other stuff and it can feel like nothing is happening i, I know for a fact that people they they might have situations in their lives that prevent them commenting publicly. You know, they may have a custody agreement that makes them nervous about talking about mental health. They may uh, be worried about their disability benefit. If they talk about something that they did that somebody might find a problem with, you know, all, all of that. But the other thing is that 
some people just are not ready for that conversation. You know, when I first started talking about everything I went through with my mother's death, and then over the years, it's been nine years this year, I have come to realizations about her and our family and, and trauma and whatever. Um, there are people that they go back and they look up Facebook posts from five years ago. And then they'll get in my direct messages and say, oh, I, you know, I didn't understand that when you said that, but now I understand it. Or they'll say, I felt so much stronger when you told me about how you started crying in the store because you couldn't pick which sauerkraut to go on your sandwich. There's a whole thing with Reuben sandwiches and my dead mother. It's it, The details are not important, but you do need sauerkraut and you have to pick the right one and whatever. So um, being out there, being open and just telling the truth and leaving it there for someone to find and um, and then for yourself too. Cause when you go looking through and maybe you're looking at your memories or you're just combing through, like recently I've been combing through Twitter threads to to write essays and stuff. And I, I and sometimes I forget what I said. I was like, oh, that was pretty good. You know that. You're right, Dot. And and especially and for people like, like me, uh, you know, when I was diagnosed with, with AIDS, you know, having a, a disease and a virus that is so stigmatized yeah. Like you said, you, there's times and what you can't, or you're afraid to publicly, you know, say anything. Like I know if it hadn't been for like Robert and Pause I Am Radio and Josh Robbins, you know, I I followed them um, and listened to their stuff. Never commented, but I personally benefited um, in helping kind of unpack my own internal stigma from my own diagnosis. Um, and so I, you know, even though we're not commenting, we are your your advocacy work is still benefiting others. And the funny thing about it is, I was just this this is so crazy that you're bringing this up because just recently I got an email from a blog post that I wrote from when I first started. You know, when I first started doing this work and coming out and sharing my story, it was all about blogging, and I was blogging for thebody.com. And somebody reached out and they're like, hey, I just read your story. You know, I just want to say that it's really helped me deal with, you know, whatever this situation is or, or my addiction or, and it really helped me come to terms. And I'm like, wow, I wrote that like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. Or like 10 yeah. years ago and people are still finding it one and then being moved or, or, or being, you know, inspired by it. So it's just like your footprint is, is always there once you start. I don't like that you you brought this up for a couple of different reasons, but one of the most important is that our community is very open about um, recovery from addiction, substance abuse, and uh, profound mental health challenges. And um, I know that that is not normal. Like in the outside world, a lot of people aren't going to say, you know, this was the day that I thought I was going to die or, you know, whatever. Like they're, they're just not going to say that because of all the barriers to having those conversations. But I think as someone whose mother died from untreated mental illness and trauma, it would have been amazing for her to run into somebody talking about, you know, there is a way back from how difficult your life has been. And I know the way. And then what if she looked and, and she saw, oh my gosh, this guy wrote this 15 years ago. Not only is he still alive, but he's doing great. You know, I mean, that, that kind of thing it is, is life-changing. So um, I'm, I'm very proud that we're open about all of this stuff because we need to be open about it and in a culture that just is not doing it the way that it should. I totally agree. So as we wound down to the end of the episode, wind down, um, you know, what is the one thing that, you know, you've taken away from 
all of the episodes, kind of the season as a whole. Um, Dawn, I'll start with you. Well, I, I think it's the same point that we've been on that our um, telling our truths matters. You know, that, that that is the ultimate power. And I'll show you a little example of why it matters. This is a card from one of my most ardent fans and supporters. And she sends me thank you cards. And she sends me little gifts and things. Um, and basically what she's thanking me for is making her feel seen and heard and understood. And by being truthful about sometimes how hard it is for me physically to go on or how hard it is for me emotionally with the way that my body is against me all the time, <laughs> um, that helps her feel strong. That helps her feel like she can keep going. And when I started, uh, I didn't know that anybody would pay attention to me. And I certainly didn't know that there would be people who would be willing to send me adorable little cards in the mail and just thank me for living out in the open. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's not small that I live out in the open. I've had to really work on myself to be able to be as um, freely, <laughs> um, you know, like free with my opinions and free with my feelings and, and my disappointments. But um, the, I, I believe that the truth matters. And as long as we are telling the truth and as long as we are telling that in love and in a way that is empowering, then we're, we're getting it done. Sounds good, Brady. Uh, for me, I would think that, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that with as many conversations as we've had, how many more conversations need to be had? And, uh, yes. <laughs> we set out, we set out this season with some great aspirations and trying to, you know, really drilled down on health disparities and racial discrimination and racial reckoning. And we were just barely able to glaze the top of it. Um, but I am very proud of, of what we have been able to accomplish this season and what we've been able to talk about. But if anything, it has just also led to, in my mind, more opportunities and more areas for opportunities of conversation and where we need to go and drill down a little bit deeper and, and, have a little bit more you know and that's kind of even why we did this show is so we could kind of expand a little bit more and talk a little bit more about these amazing guests that we had this season um but just the importance that these conversations don't need to stop when the show stops they the conversations need to continue afterwards i totally agree you know i think the takeaway i take away from this episode or this this whole season would be the importance of listening you know, sometimes it's 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 time it's good to just shut up and, and listen and some and be present in the moment when you're listening because you sometimes we don't know everything, you know, and to be an ambassador of change, you need to be bold, but you also need to listen. You need to be a good listener because that's how you're able to, you know, change. That's how you're able to really take in what's the message that you're supposed to be receiving. And yeah. a lot of times we're like, yeah, 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 we're there, but we really just need to listen. And the stories that we've heard and, and the topics we touched on this season were really, really, you know, personal. This was a real personal season. And I think, you know, it, it was different and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, to round out, um, like I said, um, the important thing is to continue the conversations um, and not letting the conversations end. Just want to remind our listeners, um, you know, you can find us on Twitter, um, especially with the hashtag Healthy Voices Radio. You can find us uh, that way. 
Um, and then also healthyvoices.com. Also um, on Twitter, Instagram, it's at Healthy Voices. Um, but before we go, let's have a little bit of let's let's have a little bit of fun moment. Um, Robert, what has been your favorite quarantine like purchase item, something like that that's helped you through through this time? So okay, my my quarantine my quarantine purchase. The two things that I, I have two. I have to have do two. I'm sorry. I have two things, and then I have a third, which is a snack. So we're going to do the snacks. So first of all, <laughs> um, the two things, one are, you know, I'm, a, I, I'm working all the time. So I'm at the airport and I'm around people and I need to have masks. And I was super crazy with trying to find the right mask. And I hate the blue ones and, you know, all the craziness. So I actually, you'll be able to see this, but you're not going to be able to. You can find these at Walmart. So they're affordable, right? They're like five bucks and they're called Breezy, right? And they're just real easy. I love them. They pinch up top here. They fit snug under. And they come in so many different colors and stuff for your for work that you can match with your tie. I mean, these things are awesome. They're double layered. So they're, they allowed me, you know, to have the protection I needed. And then I wear another mask under it. And I can still breathe for eight hours. So, I mean, these That's things are awesome. super easy. Super easy breezy. Um, so the other one that I wanted to bring up was, you know, during this COVID time, we're constantly washing our hands, hand sanitizer, and I have, you know, pretty dry skin from using the sanitizer and the alcohol, and it like just is annoying. So my sister ended up bringing me over these nourishing hand sanitizer from Dove, and these things, I'm telling you, come in three flavors, right? They are the best things. They make you smell like a baby. There's no like crazy burning of alcohol. It smells nice. There's portable, so when you're traveling, I mean, it's awesome. And it doesn't, you know, like my hands are like not falling apart. I love it. They are my, my, my purchases, my snack I'll save for later. Don, what about you? What's been your favorite quarantine purchase and favorite quarantine snack? Well, my, I'm going to stick with my pumpkin seeds for the snack. They are uh, high fiber and high protein and very satisfying. This is um, a honey-themed essential oil blend. It is not a perfume oil. It is uh, essential oil. Uh, I don't really put it on a lot of things, but I do enjoy smelling it. It's like a nice calming scent. I am such a no-nonsense person that it, it takes a lot for me to make this type of purchase, but I did it. I had to really push myself emotionally to spend the money. <laughs> you deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll talk about, um, for me, my greatest quarantine purchase was something that on the onset of this pandemic, I had no idea that my husband and I would be doing this, but my greatest purchase, we bought a house. And that, Yay! Uh, that was something that, you know, even if, when I was diagnosed with AIDS, you know, I saw a whole lot of my life or, or my plans for life just kind of fade away. And, and being able to hit milestones like this that I never thought I would would see in my lifetime and then to accomplish them during a pandemic has been um, has been uh, interesting and uh, and it's kept me going and then for my favorite snack Joshua and I, we found a a five ingredient chocolate pie and um, something that we're doing a little bit different um, after this after this episode is we're going to be talking on Twitter so if you would like the recipe for this delicious five ingredient chocolate pie, just reach out um, at Bradydale311 on Twitter 
and I will be more than happy to share this um, with you. And also before we round out, I want to talk about the importance. We don't realize um, this kind of also just kind of sums up the value of our of our work. We don't realize, and, and we also owe this to Healthy Voices. Healthy Voices is more than just lifting up people's voices, but it's actually saving lives. Um, because in us coming together, we form these networks and we form these communities. Um, I'll share a story. Now, I was just recently contacted by a 22-year-old Black female who made it to Nashville from Florida because she was sex trafficked here. And just a few days ago, found out that she was HIV positive as well. Well, she went online trying to find resources about HIV and found Dabina Connor, um, Positively D in Denver, Colorado, and Deidre from Deidre Speaks in North Carolina. And she reached out to them, asking them about, you know, all these questions about HIV. And Dee and Deidre were like, well, wait, if you live in Nashville, we know this guy named Brady. And so she reached out to me and I was able, you know, living here, able to connect her with local resources and, and get her connected to care. And to me, it just helped reemphasize the importance of what we do, even when we don't realize that what we're doing is important, is that we are making networks and, and that are saving lives. And, and I just have to give a big shout out and thank you to Healthy Voices and Jansen for giving us the opportunity to, to be able to do what we do. Brady, that story just gives me chills. I mean, it, it's exactly what we're about, you know? And I, I love that even though all this terrible stuff happened to her, she has a future because people planned in advance to respond to her needs. Right. And that's that's just amazing. It makes right. me so happy. I'm, what a great way to, to end our, our season. Oh my gosh. Yep. All right, guys. Well, with that, it looks like we are running out of time. I just want to remind well, everyone. Go, of course, Brady. Robert has something else to say. What? I want my quarantine snack to be noted, damn it. Oh, sorry, we missed it. This is so important now. Only because I love this so much and I think it's amazing. It is called Popcorn Indiana, okay? And it's black and white drizzle popcorn. This popcorn is amazing. I'm telling you, go to, go get it at your stores. And if you like, oh, it's amazing. I love it. Well, any kind, of, any kind of popcorn, I'm always down for. I could eat my weight in popcorn like every day. Chocolate on it, come on. Oh my God, yes. All right, y'all. Well, thank you all so much for staying with us um, today. And, and thank you for, for tuning in. We want to remind everyone you can catch us on um, Healthy Voices Radio and always check on, out what's going on with Jansen and Healthy Voices at healthyvoices.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And with that, thank you all so much. And we can't wait to see you next season. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Let's go.